this is probably my favorite episode we've ever done because yeah, I feel like someone great. that maybe never listened to our episodes before could listen to this episode and have an unbelievable amount of knowledge to then try and apply to their life on and off the course and, yeah. you know, could make a huge impact. And welcome back to not just any Par Train episode. This is our 100th episode. Uh, this is a special one. I'm one of your co-hosts, Evan Singer. I'm your other co-host, Matt Cermak. And guys, this has been an amazing journey. In case you're just joining us, thanks for listening. The Par Train uses golf as a platform to help you live and improve to be, have a better life. Or at least make it less frustrating than your golf game right? You learn how to get better and achieve peak performance on and off the course from PGA Tour pros, best-selling authors, CEOs, coaches, and many more. Um, we're going to actually feature a lot of those in this episode. Uh, but before we do, let's do a quick message from our friends at Roback. Um, as we've said in previous episodes, the promo code we usually give out is so popular that it's getting picked up by different coupon sites. And so now we have a par train listener specific link um, that'll automatically apply your 20% off discount in your cart. That is in the show notes. So click to the show notes here, click that link, get yourself some new Roback gear and do it fast because every time Roback comes out with something new, it sells out really quick. Um, but then also keep in mind, maybe before you spend this week, yes. because in celebration of our 100 uh, episodes, we're doing seven days of giveaways um, as a thank you to you guys. Um, and it may or may not include a lot of rowback stuff in those seven days. And here's a little hint that only the part train <laughs> listeners get. If you comment something about hearing this in the 100th episode, um, in the intro, you may get a little bonus looks for potentially being the winner that day. Um, so that's wow. a little Easter egg for you. Um, okay. So before, let me give you guys a quick rundown of the format of this episode, and then we can jump right into our thoughts and reflections on a hundred episodes. So what we wanted to do is um, we wanted to give you guys, if you haven't joined us for all of them, we wanted to catch you up, right? These are 10, like two minute sound bites, uh, our 10 favorite sound bites. And Matt, I'm sure you can agree, it was very tough um, was. to pick 10. But Matt picked five, I picked five. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna give you the 10 best takeaways and learnings from 100 episodes. And then we're gonna reflect on why we thought it was so important and what it's done for us. And to be frank, more work has gone into this episode <laughs> than any of the other 99. Um, cause we had to go back and review a lot of footage. And so hopefully for you guys, this gives you a lot of value and is almost like a, you know, bite-sized version of a hundred episodes. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think what made it tough Ev, is we, we have such a wide variety of, of guests over the years. Um, obviously we've done some episodes on our own, uh, the chipping away series and stuff, but you know, it was, um, it was time consuming, but it was really cool to, to kind of dive back in and really find some nuggets and kind of revisit them. And uh, that's what's exciting about this episode today is we're looking back, but, you know, helping push forward so we get to 200. Totally. So give everyone a quick summary of the amazing list we have for them today. Yeah, I mean, look, we've got one of the greatest LPGA players of all time and a current um, 
on-course announcer, Dottie Pepper, we're going to feature. We've got PGA Tour winner Scott Langley. That was from episode number 27. We look back. Uh, one of the top players on the tour currently, uh, Brendan Todd. Uh, we found some great nuggets back in his episode. And then we've got a little bit of a mental game theme. You know, I really think, Ev, as the last, you know, two, three months, we've really honed in on mental game, talking on our own, but also bringing on guests. Um, guests like Ward Jarvis, who works with Brendan Todd, or Brett McAbee, who, who works with Billy Horschel. So um, this is uh, this was a fun exercise. <laughs> and it's going to be fun for all of us to dive, like I said, dive back in. Totally. So I'm so excited to reflect here and, and give some good nuggets. So let's just dive in. Uh, the first one, Matt, is, and I'm going to give you guys the episode number. So if you want to go back and hear the full episode, you can. Uh, but this was from episode 69 with Evan Schiller, arguably the best golf photographer in the world right now. Um, and so I'm going to play the clip. And then Matt, we can discuss, you know, our key takeaways and, and why why you chose. I noticed on a golf course, people they're, they spend a lot of time in their head, their heads thinking, right? They're worried, sure. thinking about what they're yep. doing or how am I looking. Right. They don't they don't actually see the golf course. Hmm. You know, my job my job is That's they don't point. see what they don't see, they don't see what's in front of them because they're so in their head. You know, whether it's they're engaged in worry about what people are thinking about them, you know, whether it's uh, concern for how am I going to hit my next shot, you know, what are my friends going to think, uh, you know, got them. Uh, I just bogeyed the last three holes, and now what's going to happen to my score? So there's constant, there's constant churning of thought, uh, which keeps you from actually being present to the golf course. And so, hence, you you don't remember it. <laughs> it's very difficult to play golf in your head. So I've been trained to be present. I've been trained to actually be out there, like not in my head, but be out there with what's in front of me, you know, seeing a golf course, seeing the little nuances of it. Um, when I'm scouting out a golf course, I'm looking for different perspectives, different angles. Uh, okay, well, this hole I could take from up here. This would be kind of cool, or maybe this angle would be kind of cool. You know, maybe late in the day from behind the green. So I'm always sure. looking with the intent to see what's there. Um, and I think my job requires it. And I think, you know, if you play golf, well, especially if you do it professionally, it requires it. Right. You know, and, and Ev is, other Ev is going to jump in here. But we talk a lot about kind of the mental game on this podcast a lot. And the the, yeah. the challenge to be to get to being present. So you talking about being trained to be present. I mean, Ev, if you want to jump in here, I mean, this is really yeah. good stuff for our listeners. Yeah, Evan, it seems yeah. like it's you've been you've your playing days have influenced you as a photographer, and it sounds like your your nature to be present and see and feel a moment for the the, the most perfect photo it sounds like it's almost trained your mental game in the sense too, as a player. So it's going, it's gone both ways. Um, yeah. Where maybe when you play now, is it true? Maybe you focus a little less on score and you're maybe more in the moment because you're noticing everything around you. Cause that's, that's something I've used a lot. So why do you pick it, Matt? Why this sound? Well, before before I, I jump into it, I, I want to let you know, I'm drinking a truly hard seltzer to celebrate our hundredth episode. Remember our first couple episodes, we always used to say, what are we drinking today? 
Yeah, we'd say it, it was absurd. We would say there's a cart girl here. What are we drinking? So a little we were in the paying homage to, you know, the first few episodes. And if you guys want to hear something terrible, go back to the first few. It's it's actually quite humorous. Live from the beverage car, the Amtrak reference of being on the train. So cheers to yeah, cheers to that. Well, why did I pick that one? So Evan Schiller, arguably the most well-known golf course photographer really in the, in the world or in the industry. Um, and when I listen to him talk about being present, but, but being present on the golf course, just focusing on the golf course, that's kind of summed up my year playing golf this year for me. I've played more golf this year than I have and maybe since college. And I have found my good rounds are when I'm really, really dialed into the golf course, to the terrain, to the grass, to the wind, to the setup, to the architecture. And my bad rounds are when I'm focused on my score, um, the event, my playing competitors, um, and outcomes. So that, that really kind of hit home for me, kind of summed up my personal kind of, when I was game in 2020. And uh, it's just like, you know, we, we interviewed him early in the year, but going diving back in this past week, just kind of like, stop me in my tracks a little bit yeah and um you know being a photographer him combining perspectives player photographer like focus on the course that's your opponent you know it's so true right like it's funny how he says you actually can't play golf in your head right but a lot of people do they try um and so for me i guess the one takeaway from that was uh you know, I think it's easy to say, be present. You hear it a lot. Um, but a lot of people don't think about why it's hard to be present. And I think the takeaway for me over this last year and four years of 100 episodes and honing in more on, you know, our mental game and approach is um, the fact that um, our brains are designed to see danger and not experience pain right from the early caveman days see bear run like so if we get embarrassed with our in front of our friends or have an outcome that we don't quote want that's our mind trying to like process and help us avoid it the next time right Right. so i feel like the real mission and this will be a theme throughout this episode because i think most of our picks are in this realm um it's it's acknowledging that it's knowing it so it's not judging yourself saying you're bad because you're having the thoughts but at least building the skill and the awareness to say hey i i am feeling i'm spending a little too much time in my head that's okay let's take a step back and let's see the beauty of the course and realize that i'm outside right now during a really crazy time and let's try and enjoy it and let's try and experience it yeah, yeah, I think it was the golf course. It's it's obviously it's your opponent, but yep. it's also Evan Schiller really got me thinking about just appreciate it, right? Yeah, Pre- tr- like it's truly a privilege to play this game and appreciate you know your surroundings. So yep, well, great so. episode number sixty nine. Okay, going back a little bit, uh, you know him well. Number sixty three, Steve Danino. It's uh, the guy who went from a hack to a scratch in three years. Our most popular episode, by the way. Um, 
everybody wants to know how to go from a hack to a scratch. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. So, um, so let's play this one. We shouldn't be working on takeaway and top of the backswing and downswing and impact and all these things within, you know, the course of five, six months, because those guys don't have enough time to make those changes. So it's got to be like, all right, here, uh, the takeaway is a little bit inside. That's okay. You're right. The club base is solid. We're fine there. We're maybe a little bit over top. Okay. Let's work on what's necessary and what's important instead of trying to rechange their golf swing. So they look like Adam Scott, most body frames that we see are not Adam Scott. Most, Again, athleticism is not the same. So it's more the fact that, yes, they do a lot of great things in the golf swing. Us as instructors have to be like, okay, here's the most important and the most valuable thing that they can be working on, uh, which ultimately gives them the results now. And that kind of goes back to the ideas. I'm not a huge fan of the fact that it's like, oh, hey, I should get worse before I should get better. It's like, no, if you're working on the right pieces, like you should see good things starting fairly soon. And then, you know, if there's a little bit of lag time, okay, I get it. But you should start seeing pro progression. I mean, sure. I had Is this the... guy the other day and I just posted the, the video or not uh, the videos, but the, the pictures on, on my Instagram earlier. You know, I had this guy come who was a, a cop in, in a local suburb and he was like, he's like, I, I'm thinking about giving up the game. And, and his golf swing, to be honest, he was great. He took a couple lessons, wasn't getting better. He was working on like transferring his weight and all this stuff and his finish and his follow through. And I simply tried to strengthen the club base in the backswing. And the guy was striping. He was like, listen, he's like, you made a big difference. So I, right. to go just kind of in that direction, it's more the fact that we've got to work on what's necessary instead of, oh, hey, it doesn't look perfect. All right. So, Steve, is it fair to say that maybe, like, just it's your job to am, amateurs have a lot of times they have a good move or a decent move and encouraging them to just kind of, you know, trust in your abilities and be able to to work with me kind of thing. Is that fair? A hundred percent. Yeah. And again, yeah. Um, for example, a guy like Brooks Kepka. I mean, everybody in in the golf instruction world would tell you that he's steep coming down, right? His arms too high at the top of the back totally. thing. He's got bowed left wrist. He's steep coming down, and I mean. <laughs> The guy's track record speaks for itself, but how many people would be like, oh, no, we got to change that? Like, no, we don't have to change that. We've got to get the matchups. We've got to get the positions of the club base to match that so he can hit his shot. Every shot he hits is a small little fade. Okay, well, why get him more to the inside? It doesn't make sense, right? Uh, Lee Trevino was, was standing open with a stance. He was pointing way left, and then he would hit this inside push cut. Okay, well, the guy did great. He was one of the best drivers ever played. Jack Nicklaus, arm was high. He kind of laid back i mean the list goes on and on so why'd you pick this one matt i mean danino's story is incredible right the guy goes from a guy never plays picks up really picks up a golf club in a serious manner until he was 23 years old in a couple of years you know he's near almost a scratch and he did that by learning the fundamentals working hard sticking to it embracing his individuality like you can't do that and that's such a short period of time searching for the perfect golf swing. So one, he was living proof of it. Um, and I think, you know, I have a lot of times, I mean, we, we've talked a lot on the show and you could probably jump in, like always kind of searching for better or perfect gets in the way. Mm -hmm. um, especially at the end, especially at the end, especially at the amateur level, but at the pro level too, we've talked about it, but a lot of this shows for, you know, it's for amateur golfers. And I just, uh, Steve getting excited about, you know, working to always get better, not to regress, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I, and I just think too often with all this information, all this technology, even amateur players, we just, 
we just get inside, we get inside our heads the wrong way, you know, and uh, uh, so it just, you know, it, it hit home. Keep, keep, it, keep it simple, embrace who you are, you know, and then he kind of talks about the great PGA Tour players, right? And, and that kind of hit home too, I think, when you see Bryson win or you see Matthew Wolf at the top of the leaderboard. Yeah. Those guys are doing I know, it's, it's funny how, for me, it, there's always been a little bit of a disconnect because if you're that good, I think it's easier to say, I'm going to swing my swing, right? I think it's harder for an amateur to double down on their move because we mostly live in a world of drastic inconsistencies. Yeah. And so naturally there are swing flaws, but then there's also a lot of course management flaws, mental flaws, tempo flaws. There's a million flaws. But I think Steve's point in that clip was a lot of times it doesn't need to be blown up. Right. Right. And so I think a key point of what you just said was it's okay to always strive to be better, but you don't need to strive to be perfect. Correct. Right. It's, it's not a game of perfect. It's a game of misses. That's cliche, but it's, that's what it is. And so it's about minimizing misses right. and knowing your miss. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I really respect how Steve approaches the game and how he gives lessons. He knows that you've got to go play in your men's league next week. Right. Right. So let's work, let's work on a few things, but let's keep you out there so you can still play and shoot a good score instead yeah. of, Hey, it's my system. Right. Now the highway. You're going to struggle. So. Yep. We love Steve. Yep. Shout he's out Steve. A, he's um, got that a was lot a, of, uh, a lot of listeners from the part train of that episode have gone and seen Steve from Chicago. It's been great. Love that. <laughs> yeah. So that was episode 63. Go check them out by far our most popular. Um, okay, we've had Dottie on twice. She's a good friend yes. now. She's the best. This is episode 73. Um, so I believe this was the second time she came on. First time was to talk about the Masters. Um, all right, let's just go straight to Dottie. A rebound in some personal ways because I've gotten divorced in 95, but 96 was also the beginning of that year. I played some really lousy golf and I, I gave myself a forced sabbatical. I withdrew from two tournaments, went home to South Carolina. I lived on, on Glassy Mountain at the time, golf course, driving range at the bottom of the hill near my golf, near my home. And I did two a days. And I just found it in the dirt until my hands bled. And that led to, I think I won four golf tournaments in seven or eight weeks. And then was so worn out that I was spent for the whole fall. I was useless. But um, I, I was particularly proud of 96 because I, I did just – pull the ripcord and said, this is not working. And sure. I had my teacher fly in for two days and I spent two weeks, literally just two days and put my mother in the golf cart and I walked this hilly mountain golf course. It was like I was just a, a forced, complete reset. Sure. I put her in the cart and I said, just, just keep up with me. I, I don't want to carry it, but I need to walk and I need to find, I need to post the score and I need to find it again. And um, I, I was I was really proud of that. Hogan ask with the hands yeah, bleeding. Yeah, it, right? it was. And you know what? So that was some of the film I looked at. And wow. I sat there. I remember sitting around the table downstairs, and I had the Hogan book out, and my teacher and I looking at it, and I just kind of emblazoned those. The, the him at on the way down was the focus, because he just dropped the club in the slot and down so so beautifully. And that was the only thing I thought about for the rest of the year. Get the club down. 
Find it in the dirt, Matt. Till her hands yeah. blood. Episode seventy-three. I, I I picked that. You know, it's we've been lucky to interview several tour players, and Dottie's won two majors, World Golf Hall of Fame. Just kind of talking about kind of a mid-career mini like crisis, so to speak, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it just took hard work, and it just like two days, right? And I think. Um, I think it's just, I think it's, it was just really fascinating in the moment to hear a tour player, one of the great women's players of all time, talk about like just getting back to the bare bones with like hard work, right? And commitment. And, you know, I'm, I'm a great player, but I can get a lot better. Maybe it takes more, right? And I think, um, I think that's really cool, right? I think that's humbling. And I think uh, us amateur players too, we play and we play and we play and we play. Sometimes you got to go out to the range for a couple hours, right? Or go chip and putt, you know, go spend time in the fairway bunker. Like, yeah. you know, we're not, you know, you're not, we're not tour players where we can spend 10 hours at a range or, but you got to go the extra mile a little bit. And she won four tournaments that 96 season, but I don't know. It's, I just always find it so fascinating to hear the, hear, the, hear them talk about how hard, how hard the game is and how hard they have to work. It just blows me away, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is cool. I mean, I, I will admit, the first time I heard her say that, um, seems like forever ago, um, it it made me take a step back and think, well, on the flip side, sometimes amateurs, you know, thinking about our listener, spend too much time beating balls and doing the wrong stuff. So I think there's definitely, like, you got to know that in one realm, she's, an amazing hall of famer so for someone yeah. that had that type of talent and track record probably took her going back to the basics and just hitting it until she found stuff but on the flip side i do think there is a lesson here of to steve's point in the previous clip maybe it's okay to put in a lot of hard work and practice until you find what works for you versus yeah. trying to replicate what you saw on youtube or looking at yourself and trying to, you know, master angles. Like maybe that maybe what Dottie did is a way to find feel again. Yeah. You know? And I remember the lead into, into that conversation was, it was grip, stance, alignment. And then she said there at the end, she just wanted to hammer that like more hours just on the fundamentals. And I think if amateurs, we just, we, we can't work hard enough on that. And it was, but it wasn't really technical stuff. And then she talked about getting that club in the slot. We all need to do that better. And um, it's not an easy game, right? And you could just hear it in her voice. But then the validation of winning four times that year, right? Yeah, so, that's incredible. So, uh, yeah, it's just, I think this, the, the tour, tour player perspective, especially Hall of Famers, it's, um, it's really unique. So that's why I picked that. Uh, picked it's also, and we'll hear this later with Brennan Todd, but it's also really interesting to hear the best players ever, you know, or some of the best players in the world go through slumps like we do, right? And understanding how they get out of it. And so you guys will hear some of that in a bit. But, um, okay, that was episode 73. Now moving on to an early one, episode 27. Scott Langley, PGA Tour Pro, yeah. um, grew up in my hometown. Um, the funny story about Scott Langley is our mutual best friend, Matt, was the number one, number two ranked amateur player in Missouri. Scott Langley was the other. So they always were, you know, one or two. 
and it we've heard a lot from our friend Ryan about what Langley had that he didn't that allowed Langley to go um you know become professional and Ryan didn't and a lot of it had to do with Langley's mindset hard work and ability that when he went low he wanted to go lower right where a lot of guys start to hang on and pump the brakes and tr and try and you know, make it last versus, okay, I'm five under, let's go to six, right? Cool. Um, so let's play, let's play this clip from, from Langley. Well, something that I really like that I've seen guys do, and in particular, I think Matt Kuchar um, has spoken about this. Um, the first three or four holes of every round, Cooch will play very conservatively. It doesn't matter if he hits a wedge into the first hole or um, whatever. He, he's, he basically aims at the middle of the green, the first four holes, and, uh, you know, plays plays to par those holes. And in doing so, kind of gets a feel for, you know, what, what command do I have over my swing today? You know, am I, am I really clicking or am I missing it a little bit, you know, a certain direction or, or both ways? You know, how, how aggressive can I play the rest of the round? And not only do you, like, uncover how you're really feeling about your game, but in those four holes, you can also – create momentum for the rest of your round um you know if i start out and i you know just it's the middle of the green play stress-free golf for the first four holes of the, of the round all of a sudden i feel like okay i've got a little momentum like maybe i can be a little more aggressive you know and and i've gotten off to a solid start um you know that's that's something that i never used to think about when i started out playing you know i used to um always just play pretty aggressively right out of the gates and uh, funny how sometimes even if you're feeling great and you miss kind of one one shot all of a sudden you're short-sided and make a bogey or a double and just kind of sets the tone for the day and and whereas like Cooch's philosophy sets the tone in a very solid way like more consistent and uh kind of less stressful way um so I don't know, yeah, that's, that's kind of something I picked up on, something I, something I try to apply, um, especially when you're playing the tougher golf courses, just to, just to play for pars early and kind of see, see how you're really feeling. Power of the par train. Yeah, right? That's what you were about to say. Episode 27, that was from a couple of years ago. Um, why did I pick that one? You know, I, we talked about Scott, how we know him. You know, I played tour in tournaments with him, got to really see him play uh, up close and uh, – actually played with his brother at Missouri State, Nick. But Scott, Scott is such an example of a guy who plays within himself, doesn't hit the longest, doesn't hit the highest, um, not going to really wow you with flash, but just sticks to his game. And he's, you know, he's got multiple top fives on the PGA Tour. He's one on the Corn Ferry Tour. But you know what the key for me picking this one was, Ed? This is such a cool example of Scott Langley, the incredible amateur player gets to the tour and what's a key learning for him out of the gates. And he may reference Matt Kuchar, right? So I find that so interesting spending some time out there, spending some time with a guy like Matt Kuchar, who's made $50 million in his career. Yeah. One of the most consistent players ever. What do you, what do you do? What do you do differently? And, and this is such, this is such a great example for anybody. Right. And I wish, I don't know why, before we got on the show today, on Thursday, I played and I shot 79 and we didn't even, the tees were 6,300 yards. Kind of, how did I do that? But boy, my mind was all over the place. First couple holes, I'm just 
getting real aggressive, hitting it bad, hitting it left, hitting it just. And we're talking about a tour player. Yeah. And their jobs to make birdies. Yeah. Just settle in, but don't overdo it in the first couple of holes and get a feel. And he's so right. So it, um, Scott's such a nice guy, and it's been so fun to watch. And but um, that's just a great inside look at a pivot on how to grow as a player. You know, when yeah. you get from amateur to mini tour to corn ferry to be right. Here's the really cool thing about that. That doesn't mean they don't make birdies, right? Like, th- <laughs> right. there's there's two takeaways here for me. Um, number one is the best. Give yourself the best chance early. So middle of the green, have a putt at it. You might make it. Who knows, right? But you're giving yourself a good chance for par to ease in the round two. More importantly, is feedback. You can't get feedback on the range. The range is a different place. It's not competition. So the first four holes of competition is a great – it's almost like a freeing way to play because now you're saying, oh, I sure hope I have it. It's not that. It's, all right, let's see what I got. And then you play accordingly to that. And that's a cool way to play. And lastly, real quick, I'll say, Matt, I've noticed recently I found a a consistency in my game where first four to five holes, I was playing really tight and um, Mm. trying to avoid – because I know sometimes you don't get to warm up. It's really early. I had this belief in my head that I play bad early and then I get into it. But actually, which might be true historically, but – I was actually that that was a limiting belief that I was hanging on to, which then made me assume I'm going to play bad golf in the first five holes. And at my girlfriend's dad's club, actually the first five holes are the easiest. And so I stopped hanging on to that. And actually Scott Langley's tip that he got from Matt Kuchar was a perfect way to play the first four holes because you're not trying to do anything fancy. You're trying to ease in and, and see where your game's at. And the last, last thing I'll say is, you know, a lot of times when you think about making birdies, oh, you got to be aggressive. No, you just got to give yourself chances. Yeah. You know, 100%. 15, 20 feet, you know, he yeah. knows he can make, he can make one of those, right? So, 100%. Episode 27. All right. This is your last one. And then we'll move on to my five. Um, Ward Jarvis, episode 70. Brennan Todd's mental coach for context. He had a stuttering issue and basically realized that a yip in the full swing is actually quite similar to stuttering. It's an interruption in a fluid motion, right? In an automatic sequence. And Brennan Todd was as low as it got. And we'll hear from him in a bit, but um, let's listen to Ward. Love to hear for you why saying something out loud has such a big impact. Well, it's it's a way of taking ownership of your process, number one, and it's you know, like you said, it's a it's a it's a way to remind yourself and to locate yourself in your competitive environment. You know, just kind of going back to that Hoosiers movie, like they had to remind themselves that they were on a basketball court to play basketball. You know, and uh, you know the the same thing when you're going through. You know, everyone talks about being in the moment, being in the moment, but but, you know, it, it kind of in my system, it's like being in each different moment is a bit different. So you have to remind yourself kind of if you're in a feedback moment, remind yourself that you're in a feedback moment, you know, and, and mm. be in that moment and then transition effectively out of it into a, a execution moment. Right. So it's just it's, it's a way of locating yourself in your environment, reminding yourself 
you know, you know, if you're feeling weird, well, there's a reason you're feeling weird. You know, you're you're in a different environment. You know, and that's what you prepare for. So, yeah, it's just just a good way to not only take ownership of your process, but just to um, locate yourself and um, you know remind yourself what you do in that moment. Ward was a Ward was a great guest. It was really great. That was a really great episode. But uh, you know, verbalizing is kind of a funny, simple thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think it works in, in life. It, we talk about you know how mm-hmm. we can grow is in life if we can on this podcast, right? So that's important. And on the golf course, it when you verbalize, it kind of you know it it uh, it helps you kind of relax a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I also you know I also thought that. Ward did such an incredible job on that episode. And he talks about understanding the different moments on the golf course as it relates to the mental game, right? When you approach your shot, kind of that planning and prep, that's different than when after you hit your shot, right? He talks about the feedback moment, right? And to be, to be good golfers or to be better golfers, you have to, you have to understand all that, right? And um, I just thought he, he does such a great job on that episode and in that clip of really breaking down, you know, um, the mental game, um, kind of in those words and in those, uh, descriptions. So, but verbalizing, like it's, it, I just think that is so important for the listeners. And it was, it's just so important for me that it's okay to talk to yourself out there. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's a very simple, what am I trying to do here? Right. right. Where do I want to miss it? What do I want to do? What I took away from this is just understanding you're in a unique moment, right? The, the, the simple identification of I'm in a feedback moment right now gives you permission to learn from what just happened and not create a story. Yeah. Right. Versus, and which can create a spiral. It's taking ownership. It's taking control back. Versus letting outcomes dictate how you feel. It's, it's basically taking control back of your mind. And uh, that'll be a theme throughout my five. But yeah, yeah. if you guys haven't listened to number 70 um, with Ward, he, what he's done for Brendan Todd is truly miraculous. And so yeah. it, it's, it's, a, it's a tremendous stories. treat to be able to hear that for free for an hour. Yeah. No, absolutely. I couldn't have said it better myself, Ab. But uh, that's those are my five highlights from the first hundred episodes. Let's dig into yours. Okay. Right? And like and like you said, I think we got a little bit of a theme as I'm as we're looking at them here. But um, let's go to number seventy-eight, episode number seventy-eight with uh, Eric Lang. Well, it's a shared enemy. Mm. You know, we 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 um, we are as though we survived the Titanic. And so we have this shared disaster story where we all came into the clubhouse with some version of a score that was dissatisfying. And, you know, we suffer the, you know, all the same things of, you know, uh, mishit shots, you know, um, ideas of glory ultimately thrown in the trash. you know, and we care because when you go try to tell someone about golf and they, they're not a golfer, it's as though it's waste of time. You'd be better off just 
asking them for money than trying to tell them about your golf game. Um, and you know, we, we care about each other's golf game and we relate and, you know, in a sense, relating to another human being is really like all we're here to do. Um, and golf's one version of that NFL's another, uh, you know, cycling. I mean, there's so many versions of it, but golf is extraordinary because it's, you, you have to be the right kind of crazy to fall in love with golf. You, right. You've got to be disciplined enough to actually put up with the beginning. And you've also got to be crazy enough to think that you might actually achieve something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's a strange person right there, but they're going to be my friend at some point. Eric, every time we have Eric Anders Lang, we've had him on twice. He yeah. always provides amazing reflections and insights and sound bites like this one but to me he said it really uniquely in the sense that it's like we're all on this sinking ship of this shared struggle and it reminded me that this game that we love is the hardest game in the world yeah right there's a reason why it's addictive there's a reason why we try and hit it perfect because we've done it before but even though the ball is stagnant, there's so many moving pieces and millimeters that can change a shank versus a pure shot. And so I think this soundbite is a good step back for me because it reminds me that we are not the best players in the world and it's hard. Yeah. And so, you know, I think it's really valuable to embrace that and laugh at it and say, Hey, when I have a good day, I did something out there. Like that's right. a hell of an accomplishment versus this expectation that you're always going to do it. You know, it's hard for a reason. The best players in the world, look at Tiger. Right? right? So that's why it was meaningful to me. What what was your takeaway when you heard that? He always has this calming mm-hmm. aura mm-hmm. about him that I really love. Sometimes I can be a little energetic and he says that in kind of a it's really really uh wise words what he did what he said there but it's kind of he kind of says it kind of funny too but it's like it's a hard game just chill out okay <laughs> like, right. like just enjoy the ride you know because like you said you know two or three swings can make a good round or versus a bad round right mm-hmm. and um he's just a very he's just a cool very creative guy he's doing very di- different things with his media company and you know with just this new country new version of a country club and yeah he's just a very refreshing voice to me and the way he says it is just it's just hit, it hits home you know? the other quick thing i'll say before we move on to brennan todd is uh i've noticed that most golfers you know that that idea of coming into the clubhouse and sharing you know the the, the yeah. horror stories you always talk about the misses. You always talk sure. about, God, I can't believe if I would have just right. not hit that last shot OB or three putted this. Right. We always or, forget, though, about the even foot the, par save. <laughs> even the decent round. I mean, uh, you know, playing last week and guys come in and played, played pretty good, but, uh, but I had those two doubles or I three putted the last home. But it's like, like you said, well, what about that up and down from the back bunker you made on 10? <laughs> what about the 25 foot? bogey part and i, and I think right? i think golf kind of tries makes people be a little humble right you don't want to brag about the good but to your point it's like 
we always draw on the bad, even on the good days. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. So no, no, Eric, Eric's a treat to have on. Um, your second pick here, uh, episode number 77, three-time tour winner, Brendan Todd. I think every golfer has thought that. I mean, I can even remember within the last year, obviously, just, you know, having times where it seems like you make a birdie, you make a bogey. Um, <clears throat> but again, that's just feedback. That's just information. You can tell yourself whatever you want, whatever thought pops in your head, but you can also move on to the next thought as quickly as you want and say, well, it's not a trend. It's not me. Um, I can change that with the next two birdies, the next two holes. Um, so let's just move forwards. Let's not fall into the story. Um, and, you know, I, I believe what your swing coach said growing up. I mean, I do think that, yeah, most of golf is is storytelling. And that's why sometimes the kind of like the kind of the wilder minds of the game sometimes are some of the best players because you can tell they're just out there writing their own story, telling themselves the most ridiculous things that, you know, they could ever think of. And um, I've also said something about golfers is that, you know, some guys just have no shame and there's something about, um, having yeah. no shame kind of brings great athleticism because you're not scared to do anything. You're not scared to embarrass yourself. You're not scared to fail. And you just, the reins are off when you're out there and you're just eating and you're kind of in your most natural athletic state. So, you know, I think all that stuff is um, great information, great mentality. And, you know, that's just going to breed confidence and good results. I mean, it's a game of storytelling, right? Is that just the best quote? I think um, the other really cool thing is, I mean, this guy was literally missed every cut. I forget if it was two or three seasons, except for two. And to go from that low, just imagine going home on Friday and getting no money every he was, week. He was this close. He was about to quit the game going to quit the game, start a pizza franchise, literally. And over the last year, he's been exponentially better than Tiger Woods. Like, just think the, about that for a second. Yeah, yeah. Like, that is... He's on the leaderboard every week. Top 10s, could have <laughs> won two majors this year, almost yeah. was up there for the FedEx Cup, right? So I think that's an amazing learning. The big difference, if you guys want to take away, obviously his swing, he's worked a lot on the big right miss, but also... You know, we had Ward on earlier as a soundbite. His coach, if you guys didn't pick up on it, he said that was just feedback. Yep. That was not a trend. That was not a story. That was not me. That is feedback for me. And so a big trend for me over this last six months is, is the fact that if you focus on learnings versus failures versus successes, it's a tremendously freeing way to play and live. And Brennan Todd's a perfect example of that. If you guys haven't listened to that episode and you've struggled with a big miss or, you know, your game going to shit, I mean, episode 77 is a must listen. Yeah. No, you, you really nailed it there. Um, I love at the end, I'm paraphrasing, um, no shame mm -hmm. le leads to great athleticism. And that is, I think that's an amazing quote. You know, he's one of the shortest hitters on tour, but he doesn't care. Mm -hmm. And he believes in his move and he does it so good, you know? And I think, um, 
I think that's just great, you know, from a guy, like you said, who is a, one of the best players in the world now. Um, yep. What's turned the corner mentally for him? So. Yep. All right. Now, that was great. Number 77 there with Brendan Todd. Moving on, Ev. Um, episode number uh, 92 with um, Billy Horschel's mental performance coach, Brett McCabe. Yep. I think what we have to understand is that life is not a dichotomy. It's not good or bad. Um, we really live in the gray area. And I try to get my players to understand that their average needs to improve, not their best. Mm. What happens is when, when players, there's seven outcomes to a round of golf, in my opinion. There's really freaking terrible. There's pretty bad or not good. Okay. I mean, there's pretty bad, not good, average, good, better, awesome. Okay. What happens is if it's pretty freaking terrible and you're in the fifth hole, like I had this past Saturday, the initial mindset is to automatically flip it and try to make it awesome. Can't happen. Mm. Okay. It just can't happen. And so what happens is most of us discount everything in our game shy of awesome because if we're shooting our average, God, that's just not good enough. Right. But it's our average. It's, it's what's occurring the vast majority of the times if it's a standard normal distribution. Yep. And so what happens is you have to get people to realize that their average is good enough. And that's one of the reasons why I've had success with a lot of my players is I've actually thought about it like a baseball pitcher. It's good enough. I spin a slider up there. The guy swings through it. I don't sit there and yell at myself behind the mound and go, God, if I could just throw. And at the same time, you throw an awesome pitch, the dude hits it out. You go, what else can I do? And so you have to, you know, you don't see a pitcher in Major League Baseball raise their hand on the mound and say, I'm, I'm out. I can't do this. But golfers are raised that perfectionism is ideal. And they're raised that way because it works. You, that keeps you out there doing a mindless practice. But it's also the fact when it's good, it's so good. And when it's off, it feels so far. It's like having a hair in your mouth, right? That's what it feels like if it's not right. right. Like, you know you could have done better, but why didn't I do better? Because it was in my control. What I want them to realize is that Awesome is such a rare occurrence. So when we're striving for perfection or striving for the flow, or you ain't going to get it. Let's make our average better, make it good enough. Okay? Yeah. So when we hit a shot, it's good enough. Like, I can dissect it 16 ways to Sunday, but in the heat of the moment, it's good enough. Let's go find the next one. Um, and, and to what I'm sure it was Rick um, is, it was talking about with Colin is, is getting that mindset of, like, what did we learn from it? What I want us to experience is it's experienced the intention was high, the acceptance was high, we go to the next one. And if you can understand that value that happens, we don't bring the judgment with it. The judgment is what crushes us. So we hit a shot, it's like, oh, I got a bad break, or oh, I contributed to, or why am I screwing up? It's like, you're screwing up. I mean, sometimes just admitting, you suck today. Like, that is okay. Yeah. It, it, it happens to everybody. Once you get them to realize that, what happens is it kind of de-escalates reduces that tension and then it's like okay i'm gonna win ugly today or i'm gonna get the ball in the hole ugly yeah and i think that's you know i, I think people forget that pga tour players win 80 percent of their money in five events a year they're not good 80 percent of the time what are your th what are your additional thoughts and why you picked it this is one of my favorites of the hundred um the fact that you know he talks about having high intention high acceptance right I'm just going to tell a quick story here. One of my buddies named Chris, he'll probably listen to this and laugh because he'll know it's him. I got a few Chris friends, so hopefully the right one figures <laughs> it out. But um, he's just started golf in the last few years, and he's a very analytical, you know, wants to constantly grind and improve 
probably to his fault a little bit. Um, but I'll never forget one thing he said to me. He put it on the back of the green once, middle flag, and he three-putted. And he said to me, see, I'm, you just can't miss long. I'm never missing long again. <laughs> and it's like, I think the main takeaway from what Brett just said is it's okay, right? We get so wound up, so much that my friend thought that it's because he hit it long that made him make a mistake. Well, the, the pros hit it long. Everyone hits it long every now and then, right? We're not perfect. We're not machines. The point is, is that it's okay. That's where high acceptance comes in, right? And so I think for me personally, um, making knowing that it goes back to almost what Kuchar taught Langley, right? Yeah. Like you might not have it. That's okay, but it's cool to play with, hey, I don't have it today, but I'm just going to, like, find a way, right? I, I'm going to play average, and I'm going to make my average okay, right? I'm going to knock it down. I'm going to go with what I got, right? I think this whole idea of romanticizing perfect is one of the biggest issues that golfers say, and I guess the last thing was the baseball example really struck me. Right. No other athlete gets mad. You basketball too. Like you leave someone wide open and they miss, right? You're not going to say, Oh, they should have gotten that because you know, I made a mistake. No, you take it. Right. Just right. like when you strike someone out, when you leave it up in the zone or they hit it out on a perfect pitch, like totally. golf's the same way. You might have a perfect putt that doesn't go in and you might tow a putt that goes in. Right. So I think it's just not expecting perfect and embracing whatever you have that day. And it's all okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's always, you're totally right. It's always fascinating to listen to somebody like Brett who works with so many accomplished tour players and to hear his perspective. Um, awesome is really hard to find. Yep. It's a rare occasion, but you know, on the first hole or two, if you make a couple swings that seem off and you haven't done, you didn't do in the last round, like you said, I'm just, all right, this is who I am today. Don't try to, you know, go zero to 60 after that. Just stay patient. And that's how you're going to shoot a good round that day, yeah. you know, as opposed to, you know, hitting 12 fairways or hitting a lot of greens. But that's hard, right? Because we work so hard at the game. And then when we do something that we, we feel like we shouldn't have done, it overwhelms us and it spirals us. Yeah. <laughs> right. Totally. So, um, no, that was that was a great episode. That was, but I think I couldn't make that one. So, listening back to it when you uh, interviewed Brett, it was it was awesome. Yep. So, all right, we're moving on here. Episode fifty-five, a this little further a back. One. And what's neat about this one? Um, this is a non-guest episode, I believe, Ev. Yep. Um, yeah, we called this the Mental Game at the time. One of our uh, so this was our this first one. chipping away mental game. Um, this was a little over a year ago. And this one was, a per this was kind of the start of what we've leaned into this year, yep. which is our passion and something that we really love getting messages from people that listen that say we're really helping their game, right? Brandon, one of our friends made the shootout and his, uh, member guest at Pinehurst and yeah because of listening to our episodes he said and 
So came on the show just before that too. Right. Um, so yeah, let's listen to this one. The book says to count the number of negative things you say to yourself or about yourself every hole. And I was averaging probably one or two negative thoughts a hole. Now that sounds bad, but I guarantee you 99% of you do this too. It, it, it oh, may not even feel negative, but it's like, so God. we're talking about, we're talking a potential of 25 to 40 negative thoughts around. Yeah. Like, honestly, try this count how many negative thoughts you have around. And the beautiful thing about awareness is just by raising your awareness, you begin to decrease yeah. it because you're more aware. You're not even yeah. need to try, but you know, little things like, God damn it, Evan, like fucking left it short again, or God, you stupid idiot <laughs> you know you like say this shit to yourself and you berate yourself and the other thing so that's one thing decrease your negative thoughts and be okay with again whatever happens like don't put yourself down the pros suck it up and they're doing this for a living you do this once a week if you're lucky most of the people in the country can't do it once a week so like how are you going to play the hardest game ever that good like let's be honest right the other thing that's really interesting is they said count the number of anyways you have in around. And anyway is, let's say you run out, let's say it's car path only, it rained or something. You run out to your ball, you realize once you get to your ball, you got the wrong club. Well, you're kind of lazy, you don't want to run back to the car, so you hit it anyways, right? That's an anyway. Another anyway right. is you're, you're not really feeling comfortable over the ball, or like something says someone and you don't reset and you hit it anyways. Um, if you eliminate or decrease negative self-talk and the number of anyways in a round, I guarantee you, you lower your score. So it's weird to put a quote for myself, yeah. right? But I will say I, I, I picked this one because it talks about the book Zen Golf, um, yep. which, you know, was a real uh, kind of like a, gateway drug for me in regards to thinking about how I can improve my mental approach on the course because quite frankly I started the game paralyzed in fear and it you know I, I it drove me to get better right because I was an athlete pretty good one growing up but like for whatever because golf's so hard I, I embarrassed myself in front of my friends for years and um, this book I'd say my big takeaway why I shared this is because a lot of people here think positively, but that does, that's not tangible, right? This right. is a tangible, accountable way to say accountable. And so I'm actually doing this with my buddy, Zach, where I'm challenging him and I'm keeping him accountable to, because he's so competitive, right? He's a good player, but he's so competitive and hard on himself. So I said, just make a little tally on your scorecard. It's kind of a fun game. It, it almost breeds new life. It's yeah. like... I'm going to have the same swing, but Hey, I'm trying this like new approach, no judgment. Yeah. Just every time I hear myself say something that feels heavy or negative, I'm making a little tally on my card on each hole. And I'm telling you, I've done this firsthand and I've gone from wanting to snap clubs to smiling at shots that go in hazards. Sure. And, um, you know, consequentially, consequently I've, become a much better player because of that and the anyways is also really important too of just you know making sure you're you give yourself the best chance and if you right. feel off or something's not right take a step back reset right i think those two things are really 
can make a huge difference. And it nothing needs to change other than making a tally on your scorecard. How crazy is that? Yeah. No, I think I think you're dead on. And I'm glad you picked. I'm glad you picked this one. I think it's it's good that we had these chipping away the chipping away series. These rap sessions have been. I think I think they've been great. We've learned a lot from each other. I think a, a lot of our listeners. Well, we've had listeners reach out, um, and I think it's it, it, it's been a crucial part of our of our show to help each other, you know, you know, grow as players or people or whatever. But um, so it's those honest and raw conversations, right? <laughs> and sometimes you kind of think of things on the fly because you're taking yourself back to your last round or your career, or your experiences. So that, um, I think maybe we call that some of the magic of the part train, right? Yeah. You know? So episode 55 kicked off chipping away. All yep. right, Ev, your last one, episode number 98. Very recently, Stephen Yellen. Yeah, he calls himself a fluid motion coach. Um, yeah. So let's kick it to Stephen. Guy number two, you can call it. You're yeah. in the middle of the fairway. You've got the perfect lie, perfect club, no win. You're licking your chops. You take out your, your eight iron. You miss the green completely. You drop a ball in disgust, and you stick it three feet. The mind was concrete on the first shot and abstract on the second shot. Everyone can relate to that, okay? Mm-hmm. Correct, right? Okay, so let's give your listeners um, some practical things to do. And all of these things are in the book. Now, my book is divided into four sets of fluid cues. These fluid cues set up by design what you normally experience by chance when you play your best. In other words, they set up uh, accessing the fluid motion factor. Each, Each set of fluid cues gets more powerful. So the second is more powerful than the first, the third more than the second, and the fourth more than the Okay, so let's give you one from the second set. It's still powerful. So what I ask um, my students to do when we're on the range and we get to this fluid cue, I say, okay, now I want you to simulate on the range that this is a really important shot in a big tournament and you have to execute or an important round and you have to execute. I want you to go through your whole pre-shot routine. I want you to get over the ball I want you to let me know when you're about to pull the trigger, but don't pull the trigger. So they go through their whole pre-shot routine. They get over the ball. They do their little dance. And they let me know right before they're about to pull the trigger. They say, now. Well, I take the club out of their hand and I tell them to stand up. And I tell them, just just chill. Just relax for a second. And then I ask them, now, if this was an important shot, in an important tournament, and hypothetically, obviously, very hypothetically, right before you're about to pull the trigger, someone took the club out of your hand. Would you feel a contrast between how you felt when you stood up and the club was not in your hand versus how you felt when the club was in your hand and you were about to pull the trigger? Virtually everyone, even tour players, would say yes. So then I say to them, okay, what we're going to do now is setting one. Setting one means that right before you pull the trigger, if you dropped the club and stood up or you just dropped the club, you would feel more or less the same as how you felt right before you were about to pull the trigger. More or less the same. Of course, you're going to feel lighter if the club's not in your hand. But if there's a big contrast, the fluid motion factor is shut down. What do you think there, Ev? I mean, he was a, he's a recent guest. What sticks out? 
So everyone knows about guy number two, right? Guy number two is undefeated. Guy number two or gal number two is unbelievable. For sure. And to hear the science behind why that is was mind-boggling and hugely satisfying to hear. Like it was a, it, it totally clicked, right? There, think about the difference between sitting, standing over a ball with tension, trying to think about what to do versus you're pissed, you missed it, you drop a ball, you swing free and you stick it. And always the same response after. Well, why can you do that the first time, right? Mm-hmm. It's fascinating to me that we are so attached to trying to do things to avoid certain outcomes. Can't miss it left, can't miss it left, can't miss it left. Gotta release it to the right. Gotta let my hand right. release. Gotta do this. That we are, something really clicked for me, that all of those thoughts, even though swing thoughts, one or two is important to like keep you in line with what you're working on. I always heard it's good to work on the course, not bring that stuff to the, or work on the range, not bring it to the course. But this was the first time I understood the science behind why that is. And it really helped free me up. I learned very simply um, that fluidity is my number one priority because fluidity, even if there's a swing flaw, gives me the best chance to hit something solid than thinking I can make my thought, my frontal cortex of my brain, right. to, to make me do something in my swing that then compromises my fluidity. So episode 98 was one of my favorites just because it totally changed the way I think about playing. Yeah, and I we saw like that with gonna, Scott McCarron, right, huge, on the huge, champion store. Yeah. Well, Steven works with Scott, but I, yeah, I feel like this, that episode has a huge, been a huge breakthrough for you yeah. just lately, you know? Yeah. Um, but, you know, yeah, to, to, to conclude that, 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 why is that breakfast ball always better, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's funny, I recently played with a, kind of a beginner golfer. He's been, well, he's been playing a long time, but, you know, he probably shoots you know, 110, 115. But he would always hit a bad first shot. You just drop another one. We were just playing. He always hit it pretty good, you know, and that, but that applies to somebody who's been playing a long time too. And I think if we stop and for a second, why is this continuing to happen? <laughs> right. If we absolutely like take this, take step back, look, understand that moment in your body and in your mind and what was different between shot one and shot two. Yeah. And, with it, and then we can transfer that whole shot two to shot one moving forward. But right. it's, um, it happens all the time to us, but we yeah. need, what did that feel like? Right. Feedback. So, right. So, no, Stephen was a great episode. He helped, he helped us get to 100. And here we are, Ev. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I know this went a little bit longer than on other ones, but we wanted to make sure you guys got full context. And to me, I mean, this is probably my favorite episode we've ever done because yeah, I feel like that someone that maybe never listened to our episodes before could listen to this episode and have an unbelievable amount of knowledge to then try and apply to their life on and off the course and, you know, could make a huge impact. So, you know, cheers to you, Matt, and, and all the listeners for sticking with us over the last hundred. And I'm looking forward to the next hundred. Same to you, Ev. I, I, I hope you guys out there listening, enjoy it as much as Ev and I do. Um, It's been a great, it's been a great run and cheers to a hundred more, right? Cheers.
Yeah, we're just get, we're just getting started. Yeah. So and uh, just as a reminder, guys, head over to Instagram at the Par Train. We've got as a celebration for this uh, seven days of awesome giveaways. So swag gear. Yeah. Come get it, um, right? And I'm talking good stuff. So follow us and comment and subscribe to the podcast. That'll get you entered and comment that you heard it on the on the show and and we'll give you a look as a winner. All right, guys. Here's to 100 more. All right. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, guys. See ya. Take care.